Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly for May 3rd, 2023. My name is Barry McBride, and I am the publisher and the web dork of the OBR. Back with me tonight, per usual, adding any actual insight and intelligence to the program is Browns beat writer and guru extraordinaire Fred the legend, Greetham. How's it going, Fred? It's going pretty good. Little let down after the draft high. Now, kind of get back to some sort of flatlining. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of normalcy now that the uh, the draft is over. But we got rookie minicamp coming up. We got the schedule release coming up. You know, got some stuff going. You know, there's there's never really. A true off-season in the NFL. Um, but before we get into it, i got to do the usual disclaimer. Uh, this show is powered by your comments and questions. Without those, you're stuck with whatever I come up with. So please hit us up with your comments and questions in the YouTube and Twitch chat rooms and give us something useful to discuss. A couple of other programming notes before we get into it. If you're on YouTube, please make sure to slam that like button and subscribe to the OBR stream. It is completely free, and you get rewarded with Browns Talk throughout the year for no money at all. And unlike those other free streams, we have people who actually go to training camp and rookie camp and interview the players and talk to the players and do analysis and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And we still, unlike a lot of the other podcasts from media outlets, care about what you have to say. We pay attention to your questions and comments and relate to them. So we're kind of weird and different and probably worth subscribing to. At least we like to think so. Uh, so please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and join us throughout the spring and summer as we talk Cleveland Browns every week of the year. Not necessarily on this program. We're going to take some weeks off. But uh, 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 on the OBR, we are here 52 weeks a year. Um, at any rate, um, thank you for hitting us up with your questions. If I had my druthers, I would just do your questions the whole way around, and we will jump to them as soon as possible. Um, before we get into the specifics of the draft, though, Fred, let's talk about the team's overall philosophy uh, and Andrew Berry's approach to the draft. They, uh, they didn't aggressively trade up. They didn't aggressively trade down until, you know, right at the tail end of the draft. Uh, they didn't even seem to focus on specific needs, you know, uh, they sort of let the draft come to them and pick the players they wanted. Now, I think you can make the argument that the third-round selections at wide receiver and defensive tackle were influenced by need, but after that, they, they really seemed to pick the best player available or the, or the players that they really wanted. Um, do you agree with that assessment? And in general, do you agree with Andrew Berry's approach to this draft? Well, I've heard it for years, not only from the current regime, but previous regimes that they always said they're taking the best player available. It doesn't matter what their need is. And I almost chuckle under my breath because 
you always see them take a position that they seem to have a need for. Now, last year, you could say when they took Martin Emerson in the third round, when you thought the cornerback was a set position, that, okay, they felt he was the best player. And I think you could say that to some degree this year. I disagree with you a little bit. I don't think that they felt, or maybe they did, I I think they felt they were in pretty good shape with wide receiver. I did after you traded for Elijah Moore and signed Marquise Goodwin. I didn't think you already had 15 wide receivers on the roster. Why do you, why do you have 15 on the roster if you don't like them, you know, enough to get six of them? I know Woods was hurt, so they still had 14. So I think they felt he was the best player, you know, that um, – I know a lot of people feel that the Giants traded up to get Jalen Hyatt ahead of the Browns, and maybe they did, but it seems kind of strange to me that the Browns would have had um, Cedric Tillman ranked exactly the same right. or just a hair behind Hyatt. So they might have really uh, wanted Tillman, and maybe, maybe it just happened to be that the Giants thought when they heard that the Browns are like the Tennessee wide receiver, that maybe that was the one. So um, I think the second pick Ika was a, a need. I don't know if he was the best overall player. Maybe he was on their board, but I think when it's close, you take a position of need. So <clears throat> I think that, you know, they felt they were in the position to do that this year. They addressed all the front line positions for the most part in free agency mm -hmm. and so the the depth positions and positions of need is where you felt like they would go in the draft but I think they really did more value more best available because you took two offensive linemen and I think a lot of people would say my goodness they've spent more money on the offensive line than any team Browns team in my lifetime. And, mm -hmm. and then they draft two more. Um, so those are clearly future depth developmental moves and uh, they didn't address safety and they didn't dress linebacker areas that the average fan would say they have a need for. And I would mm -hmm. agree. They have depth needs at safety and linebackers. Still, they may not think that as well as on the defensive line. I still think they have needs edge and defensive line, but most of them, you know, could be argued that we're not talking starters. We're talking rotation type players. Right. Right. Well, let's, let's dive into some of those points that you made right there. Uh, starting with Cedric Tillman uh, in his selection, you know, whether that was a need or not, I, I actually do think it was a need, Fred, but I think it was a need for uh, 2024 more than it was a need for 2023 uh, because Donovan Peoples-Jones will be in the last year of his rookie contract. Tillman, in a lot of ways, he doesn't have top flight speed, but he's big. He can go after contested catches. Reminds me a lot of Donovan Peoples-Jones. Reminds a lot of people a lot of Donovan Peoples-Jones in terms of what he brings to the table. Do you think that the drafting of Tillman for, you know, sort of, uh, you know, presages a uh, that the Browns are not going to hold on to DPJ uh, when he uh, uh, qualifies for free agency next year. 
Not necessarily. I mean, when you draft a guy in the sixth round, you hope beyond your wildest dreams he becomes a, a good player. Mm-hmm. And that's what Peoples Jones has been. Now, they might be in preliminary discussions with him, and they might feel, wow, they're not going to be realistic. And if, if he wants to break the bank, you know, yeah. But but if Tillman or somebody on the current roster doesn't play very well and they don't see, you know, him be able to immediately, you know, be as valuable or not, then I don't see him moving on. Another option is if Peoples Jones really, you know, plays well, goes twelve hundred yards, you know, verges on the Pro Bowl, maybe they would move on from Amari Cooper, and, you know. Again, it's going to it's going to end up what it comes down to in value. I mean, teams. I hate to use the word Steelers, but for years, just watching them, you'd see a Mike Wallace come along. You go, "Oh my goodness, they got the best thing ever!" And they they let him walk in free agency because they had a guy named Antonio Brown, some six round pick that I never heard of. And forget all the antics with Antonio Brown. He was way better than Mike Wallace. They mm. do that all the time with linebackers. How many times did they have a Pro Bowl linebacker that they let walk in free agency? And you go, oh, they're done. They just And then there's a guy you never heard of became an ex-Pro Bowl linebacker. That's what you want to get with the Browns is have guys in line to, to so you're not with a gaping hole. Now, Peoples-Jones plays well. And he and he becomes exorbitant, and they just say we can't afford him. You got another guy to step in, but if he doesn't play well, you let him go. You have other guys that can step in, and you have options. Same thing, like I said, you know, he's a younger version. If he really plays well, and you can't afford to pay Cooper at twenty some million, you let him go, and you actually save money because even if Peoples Jones gets 10, 12 million a year. That's saving you seven, eight million on Cooper's contract. So uh, there's a lot of different flexibility. And, you know, it really, I like that they've always talked about competition. It really seems now that the roster's pretty much set, obviously barring injuries at wide receiver. It'd be hard for somebody to make the team when you have right now Cooper, Peoples, Jones, Two guys they went and got, Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin. And then you have David Bell from last year, who you would think he would be in the plans, and Cedric Tillman, who you drafted in the third round. That that might leave Anthony Schwartz outside looking in, or Jakeem Grant, or or seven or eight other guys that are currently on the roster. Yeah, uh, there's not enough room uh, for all those guys. Uh, Out of YouTube comes this comment. Uh, I think it's Cooper after this season that could be on the chopping block. There's a similar comment from Penelope Rose. Thank you both for your comments. Um, Because he's got an expensive contract, and they may be looking to save money. So, uh, again, uh, you get a lot of flexibility as a GM if you have more than enough talented players. (laughs) And you you can save some money if you need to save some money. Let's, you know, I I tell you what, Fred, we've already got some great questions in here. Let's just dive straight into the questions. Uh, If we run out of questions, I'll start going through the draft again, you know, position by position. Uh, But uh, let's deal with the questions as they come in. And if you've got more, 
uh, hit us up with them because that's what we're really about here is uh, answering what you want to have answered. Uh, this question from Rocky Balboa in YouTube, he says, going back as far as the Baker Freddie Kitchens Browns, is this roster shaping up to be the most talented? Uh, I'd like your take on that as well, Fred. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, I thought it has um, on paper progressed. Since I've covered the team, I thought even the kitchens, that roster, you know, was about the best I had covered. And then the first year under Andrew Barry, I thought was even better. And last year I thought was better yet. Now, again, that's on paper. They underperformed. We all know that. I still think they're, they're talented. I don't think it's a lot of people said, well, they're seven and 10 because they're just not as good as everybody thought they were. I think a lot had to do with the quarterback in all those years. And so you're going to get to see this year, the quarterback should elevate you know, even marginal players on offense and make them look better. He should make the offensive line look better. He should make, you know, running back look better, should make average wide receivers look better. Mm -hmm. So we'll see that. But, yeah, I think that because the bottom end of the roster is getting better and better, um, that means the top end of the roster is getting harder and harder, you know, to make. I think – you know, going into training camp right now, it would hard. I haven't went through it as much as like a Jack Duffin has, but I don't think there's really more than, you know, eight to eight to 13 positions available. If that, you know, other than obviously you always have injuries in camp, which shakes things up. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, they already know who's going to be on the team and, you're battling, obviously. There, you can always win jobs in camp, but um, yeah, I think that's because the roster is better and better, and that's why I've said all along they have a window right now. They feel this is their window to win, and they're not trying to develop players. And that even I know that we talk a lot about guardrails, and that might be why you know they took a Tillman. And an eco with their two first two picks because they're maybe outside the guardrails, maybe a little older than some of the guys they take at those positions because they want somebody that can help them right now. And so I think that's where they're at. They're trying to win now. And so this roster is because it's as competitive rosters as they've had since I've covered the team. All right. Um, I, 
agree with all that. I, I, I think that, you know, training camp is going to be very, very interesting as there's competition for these positions. It's going to be intense. It hasn't always been intense over the years uh, at, uh, at training camp. And uh, we're going to have you there as our eyes and ears, Fred. And uh, you're going to get a lot of questions about competition at camp uh, over this summer, guaranteed. And uh, hopefully we can get you down to West Virginia so you can see the opening of that and, and to Philadelphia as well. Um, another question from YouTube, uh, and we've got uh, a similar one that we'll get to here in a little bit, uh, also from YouTube. Uh, this question is, now that the draft is complete, who do you guys think will have a breakout rookie season if given playing time? Now that, that last bit of it is, uh, I think, is a real challenge here. In terms of you know who's actually going to get the playing time, uh, but uh, why don't you answer first? Who do you think is going to have a breakout season given the current roster, and who do you think uh, could have a, a breakout season, but perhaps might not because you simply can't get in the in the lineup? Well, I think who has a chance to get on the field the quickest is Siaki Ika because of the need just pure need. I mean, he's a third round pick, so you can't count on him to be, you know, a starter. Um, you know, Andrew Barry hasn't drafted anybody above the third round. It'd been interesting this year if they would have had a first or second, would they have taken a defensive tackle? Cause they've never really drafted that high, but Ika, you know, because they need a starter, in my opinion, opposite Dalvin Tomlinson. I think he has a chance to be the starter. A lot of it is what he does this offseason here, or spring, you know, in the OTAs, in the mini camps, and so forth. As far as an impact, it's hard for me to say any rookie in the third round lower will make an immediate impact. I mean, last year, Christian Watson, I think, was a first, maybe a high second-round pick of the Packers, and it took him a whole, you know, first half of the season, and they didn't have a whole lot of competition up there in Green Bay. And then he blossomed in the second half of the season. I think Cedric Tillman has a chance to have that kind of effect, but because the Browns have already a pretty established um wide receiver role with Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you're assuming Marquise Goodwin, and Elijah Moore, that would put him at fifth at best, and that's assuming he's ahead of David Bell. So, but I think with his size, you know, he really, and, and if there are injuries, he really could have a chance to make an impact. They drafted him because they felt he could help him now, as well as in the future. So I would say Tillman, would be the most uh, breakout, and Ika would be the first to get on the field. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense. I mean, they certainly need a guy who can help uh, against the run, and Ika uh, will definitely clog up some uh, will clog up some running lanes. That's for sure. Uh, he will be a difficult fellow to uh, uh, to navigate around. That's for sure. Um, so let's go on to the next question. This is from Kevo680. <laughs> he, he wants to ask if we're doing a 2024 mock draft. Yes, we are, Kevo. Uh, we are doing a 2024 mock draft. We're doing it uh, in April 2024, uh, and probably not before. Um, there, there's, you, you, know, you know, there's all these way too early mock drafts 
that come out about this time of year, and they're so ludicrous because you have no idea how teams are going to stack up at the end of the year. You have no idea what their needs are going to be. All you know are maybe who the best players coming out of college, the top players are going to be. And so, you know, you put the, the quarterback from USC and you put Marvin Harrison Jr. at the top of the draft, and after that it's a crapshoot, you know. Well, I'm sure they get lots of clicks, but we're not currently planning on doing one until uh, the time is right. Unless you want to, Fred. Do you want to do a way too early 2024 mock draft? You into that? You no, know, the only reason people do it is because everybody out there quicks it because you don't even know when you're going to draft. You really don't know. I think a lot of those are ridiculous. You look back at them a year. I remember one year there was a quarterback, UCA, I don't know if it's Barkley or something like that. He's the number one guy in the draft for sure. Yeah. And I don't think the guy, he might've went in the third or fourth round, you know, or something, but it, it, yeah, it's kind of, there's so many variables. There's so many variables even the day before, you know, because all it takes is one go out of, off the path and then that starts dominoes. And yeah, that's not my cup of tea, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, mine either. Mine either. Uh, we do like clicks. We do like people when people click on our pages, but we aren't uh, willing to, to sort of go to those links to get them. Uh, another question from Rocky Balboa. He says, do we maybe discount the team's draft for special teams sometimes too? Really good question. Do you think there's anybody lurking in this Browns draft class? Class Certainly I would think in the, the list of UDFAs that might be uh, Bubba specials that, that he asked for, Fred. Yeah, I think uh, the cornerback Cam Mitchell might be. If he's going to make the team, it would be on special teams. Uh if Ronnie Hickman, Tanner McAllister, I think they're both from Ohio State, undrafted free agents, I'm assuming. We haven't seen – the Browns haven't officially listed or sent them out to my knowledge, but if those reports are true, I think one or both of those guys are going to make the team through special teams. And uh, that's what you look for is the – Defensive backs, linebackers, they didn't draft any linebackers. So for the most part, you know, I think the guy I just mentioned, the cornerback and some of the DBs, you know, would be guys. I think there's Diabete or something like that, a linebacker, supposedly paying him a lot of money. You know, he would need to make a mark in special teams. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a mark of a good team is when – your special teams are are good because that means the guys that are playing the third bottom third of the roster, you have guys dedicated to special teams and uh, you're not just throwing guys out there that never played it. Cause most of these guys are like the best player in their high school or on their college team or one of the best. And if they're at a major college, but a lot of them never played special teams before. So mm-hmm. it's good to get guys that have done that and excelled at it. And I think they did that in free agency. I think they got a linebacker, Michael Adams, and cornerback, Mike Ford. And some of those guys were special teams uh, specialists. Right, right. Yeah, they got some guys guys who can play specials. And, uh, you know, past years, uh, it's been a little while since – uh, the Browns had acquired players that uh, 
you know, really seem to be dedicated to, uh, uh, you know, being special teams aces. Uh, and it's good to see. Good to see guys like that on the roster again. Uh, this question from Fumble13 wants to know why there wasn't any food in the war room uh, over last weekend uh, on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> It turns out that the uh, organizer and leader of the OVR is remarkably ill-prepared when it comes to things like that, and quite a bit of a cheapskate uh, when it comes to providing food in the in the war room. Uh, and it led to a bit of crankiness uh, throughout uh, Sunday afternoon's affair, uh, I'm sorry to say. They I, I took did. us out afterwards, <laughs> and, and it was good. But I tell you, it makes me think twice from straying away from Berea. I mean, they feed us pretty well out there. Not once, but a couple times throughout the day. So, all right. But but he made up for it, bailed us out, you know, took us to a nice supper afterwards. So, all's well that ends well. Yes, everyone ate ravenously uh, at Nora's Public House in Willoughby after the, after the festivities. I'll give them a shout out because they were really good. I'll tell you, Jake, <coughs> I pulled out a pack of crackers just in case we didn't have much and and jake was like where'd you get those and he was trying to <laughs> abscond them from me about three o'clock it had been like six hours since we ate <coughs> yeah yeah absolutely next year there will be a little bit better planning on my part uh so that uh so that the war room doesn't get cranky uh but uh good question thank you very much uh and appreciate your uh uh, appreciate your concern. Um, let me see. I'm flagging down some more questions that we have. We keep them rolling in, guys. We will keep answering them. Uh, this question also from Fumble13. He said, Would everyone have felt better if they had drafted Ika at 126, McGuire at 111, <coughs> and Jones at 98? That sounded more like what everyone thought would be the order. Um, it sure does. It sure does, Fred. It, it does seem like that order was reversed. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Jones and uh, and his fall. You know, lots of rumors going around about about Dewan Jones and why he fell from a second round choice down to the fourth round. Um, is his situation and the stuff that came out today about him preferring to play NBA and. Uh, uh, all that sort of stuff. Does that concern you at this point in his development, or have you uh, heard and seen that all before from people who went on to be successful? I mean, it doesn't concern me at all. I mean, these guys, I've been dealing with them for 30, 40 years. They're 21, 22 years old. They say a lot of dumb things. And whether he said those things or not, I think it's good it come out. It's going to do one of two things. It's going to motivate him to prove everybody wrong. Because now, you know, you can't hide from if you're not motivated to play in the NFL. It's going to weed you out very quickly. If you don't come out there 100% motivated to give it your all on the field, you're going to get blown up. I don't care how big you are. you got to be tough and strong, you know, from day one. Or they'll, they'll sense that and, and they will move you on. And they mm -hmm. will take advantage of that because everybody's out there fighting for a job. And so... I think that there's no question he might need some motivation to be a little hunger. When you're 6'8", 350, 360, 370, whatever he is, that's one, one thing you cannot just order up. But he's probably been able to manhandle everybody his whole life 
in whatever sport he wanted to play. And it's not going to be that way anymore. And even at college, even in Ohio State, I'm sure that he's getting the second or third best pass rusher because he's playing the right tackle and not Mm -hmm. the left tackle. And so, you know, he's now you're going to get guys way better than what you're used to in college. And so he's going to, you know, proverbial separate the wheat from the chaff pretty quick. And you're going to find out if he's really motivated to play or not. So I think that's, that's been said about a guy like Jedrick Wills, you know, does he really want to play? And I think there's been enough talk about him. If he's not motivated, you know, to play this year, you know, you know, playing basically for a big contract, I don't know what would motivate him. So, um, as far as the draft order, you know, sometimes I just think they, you know, they have where they think guys are going to go and they take them or the, I don't think it matters to be honest, you mm. know, other than they don't have to pay a guy as much when they take them lower in the draft, you know? And, and so if you got a premier position, you know, at left tackle or corner or say edge rusher lower in the draft, that's going to even be less if you got them on the team. It's all going to come down. It's their second contract, you know, is what they're all playing for because that's where you get the bigger money. It's all slotted as a rookie. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't get much different if past the first round, not big difference between the fourth round, the fifth round, so forth. Right. Right. And I, you know, I'm all for players making as much money as they as they possibly can. You know, that's that's fine with me. I mean, they're limited by salary cap, and the NFL puts a puts a lid on that. Unlike Major League Baseball, which has been you know blown up as a result. But uh, uh, I'm I'm happy about you know the way that rookie salaries are structured because I hated the rookie holdouts and all that sort of stuff. I'm so glad that's over and done with. Manimal points out that Jones denied that he said that on Twitter. Uh, good point. Thank you for that. Um, and uh, 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 just want to acknowledge that Pat Shea asked a similar question around uh, Dewan Jones uh, about the mixed opinions and alleged uh, something that we heard of and talked about during the stream that Callahan was was not a huge fan of the pick. Um, Fred, do you just... Just a uh, uh, weird question that pops into my head. Uh, Dewan Jones is like six foot eight. Do you think there was such a thing as a uh, uh, offensive lineman being too tall? <laughs> you know, a guy that the uh, uh, quarterback simply can't see over. You know, uh, it's already an issue with all these big pass rushers like Kelly Campbell coming in. You know, and and trying to navigate over them. You know, do you think uh, Jones' height might be an issue, or am I just being paranoid per usual? Well, I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to discourage it. They want him as big as possible. They want a road grader out there at right tackle. And, you know, he played in front of C.J. Stroud. He seemed to be doing okay um, at Ohio State. So I think a guy like Deshaun Watson, 6'3", you know, can move around and, it could be a problem, you know, if the quarterback's shorter. And, um, but I, I think they'll take those. I, to be honest, I think he's drafted on his size and on his size more than anything. 
Um, they feel for the most part, they can develop guys. You can't develop, you can't say, okay, this guy's six foot. I'm going to, you know, make him six, eight. Um, yeah. regardless how many splints you use, like Kenny Pickett did on his fingers. Um, you know, you just can't grow height and weight. Right. You can grow weight, but you know, you have the frame to put on it. So I don't think, I don't think they look at that as a negative for sure. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with this undrafted free agent Phelps, uh, but uh, uh, he's another edge. Uh, and Eco thinks he's a good fit with a wide nine coming off the edge, undersized but strong and speedy. In general, you know what? You know what? What sort of probability do you think an undrafted free agent has? to crack this lineup at, uh, at, at edge rusher. Um, and do you, do you think, you know, for that matter that, um, you know, adding Isaiah McGuire takes the Browns out of the free agent market for a veteran edge rusher, um, you know, that would make that even harder for someone like Phelps to make the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, no disrespect, but, I've said it all along. I don't think that you can count on a third round pick to, to help you this year. Um, if you're counting on a third round pick to even be a key to your team, then, then you're in, you're like a Browns team of the past. We were draft. The Browns were drafting guys in the third round, expecting them to be starters, not this team. If, the, if somebody shows up and does so, I could see maybe in the second half of the season, but it would be great if any of them can make the team and be in the rotation. Um, you got to develop some down the road and you certainly need depth, but I would take a veteran in their thirties or whatever age, any one of those guys available right now, starting with Yannick, Nagakawa, I don't even know why he's available. Maybe unless mm -hmm. he's asking a lot of money because he's like 28, 27, 28. Right. But Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram, those type guys can show up the day before the first game, providing they're not extremely out of shape, and help you the next, the first game. That's what you need. You need to win as many games you can from the beginning. And you can't sit around waiting for guys to be ready. Alex Wright was a third-round pick last year. He might be a great player down the road. He had no sacks. He had a few pressures. Isaiah Thomas was a seventh-round pick. He had one sack. So your two draft picks last year had one sack. You know, you need production in that rotation behind Miles Garrett and Ogonkwo. And... I don't know if you can count on any of them from day one. So, yes, I would take a veteran on a one-year deal at edge and at defensive tackle. Um, they might feel great about Ika, but I'm not so sure. And you, then you got a problem with depth anyway. So, now they might not feel the same way. I mean, you and I talked about it all last year, right up into training camp. Any day now, they're going to bring in a guy like Akeem Hicks or Nadama Kasu or some veteran. It takes those guys on the other end wanting to do it too. But, you know, I, I think they could use help still. Maybe not a big name guy, but a guy that can plug a hole 
and can play from day one, you know, and, and not count on the rookie to have an impact. Right. Right. Going to be, going to be challenging, especially if we bring up that uh, defensive end and Andrew Barry in his pre-draft press conference did seem to be uh, uh, talking about, you know, we're going to add some depth there. We don't know if it's going to be in the draft or after the draft or whatever, but uh, it seemed to be pretty transparent that uh, uh, the Browns were, were looking. Um, so let's go on to uh, Pee Wee's Burnt Pizza. <laughs> uh, wanted to know about the draft picks that were going to be impactful or uh, important, and uh, we did deal with that a little bit earlier. Um, next question comes from Kevo680. Uh, he wants to know what we think the odds are that uh, Perry and Winfrey is uh, not uh, not necessarily part of the Browns come the regular season. Um, they, uh, they've been very hush-hush about this, and they've talked about internal investigations and all that sort of stuff, Fred. Uh, do you think this team feels confident enough about their situation at defensive tackle that they could afford to get uh, let someone with the potential of a Perrion Winfrey go? I think it all is going to come down to what Jim Schwartz thinks of him. Does Jim Schwartz, you know, think that he's a guy that can be in the rotation and is worth, you know, wherever he is? from what he's seen in the film last year and, and what he's, he's been in there starting to work, you know, with the guys now in OTAs and in the camp. So we have not had any exposure to Jim Schwartz since his introductory press conference before he even knew about, or he said he didn't know any of the players. So mm-hmm. that's what it's going to come down to now in their investigation. If they find that this is much deeper or wor- troublesome, than what has been out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a criminal charge, if he ends up getting into suspended by the league or things like that. But um, I thought it was a misdemeanor in a little bit I had heard, but as far as I don't know, I mean, I would say right now the odds of him being on the team are higher than Tommy Togia. I don't know if he's shown anything in his two years to warrant, you know, beating out, you know, somebody. I haven't seen all the undrafted. I th- Some of those undrafted guys they signed, I don't know if they're edges, defensive linemen, or, I mean, mm-hmm. defensive tackles, linebackers. They've got them, you know, listed all over the place, every publication. So it's, Right. You know, some some call it a linebacker when they're an outside edge rusher. Some call it a defensive end. Some call them a defensive tackle. But, you know, right now they added Ika um, and Tomlinson. I, I still think they probably have at least five. Um, I would think Winfrey would be in the mix. It, it comes down to Hurst, how well he performs in training camp, and Tristan Hill. I mean, they've added three free agents and now a third-round draft pick. So they brought in four guys. They very well could just – it could be Schwartz said, I want these guys. We're moving on from everybody that was here. Or Winfrey might be a guy or Elliot that he says, no, I mean, I I think we can can work with him. So I think it's going to be up to him. I mean, unless the legal process dictates 
something else. Right. And we certainly haven't heard anything like that. He was accused of a misdemeanor, uh, uh, you know, when that story first broke, and we haven't heard anything of it since. And, you know, with regard to your point about where these players are considered to play by the Browns, we, we have not seen an official undrafted free agent release from the team about who is signed, who is past physicals. So today, for example, when uh, they signed the offensive linemen, we're guessing at the number of people that are on the players that are on the Browns roster right now. We think it's 90. We aren't sure who all is past their physical, uh, whether someone has to be cut or not. So until we have that information from the Browns, uh, it's going to be very, very difficult to uh, uh, really say who's playing what position and even how many people are on the active roster right now. They're limited to 90 at this point. Um, so an, another from Pee Wee's Burnt Pizza. Uh, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson says something that kind of concerns me. He said his plan is to take over the reins eventually from Watson. Do you think Watson said as much to him? Um, so he's he's got uh, his concerns that... Uh, Perhaps that, that, that Watson is thinking that uh, DTR is going to uh, inherit the job from him, Fred. Um, do you think that's a legitimate concern or not? No. I mean, if you think you drafted a guy in the fifth round to replace Deshaun Watson, then then you made a major mistake with Deshaun Watson. And if – I. I you know, I cannot believe it's he would be saying, "Hey, in five years or four years, I'm leaving, and you can take my place." I mean, they don't talk that way, you know. Uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's anything to that. What player is going to say, you know, I am just hoping to. Someday get to play. They all expect to play. They all think these guys were all the best they've ever been around. They all carry themselves like they are the man. Even a guy that gets picked in the fifth round, he's used to being the man everywhere he's ever been. And so he expects to step in and play, you know, mm -hmm. and um, you kind of want them to have that attitude, but uh, no, you can't read in it, anything like that. I'd be very shocked. You know, if Josh Dobbs didn't think that way, if Kellen Mond didn't think that way, anybody you have, you know, on, on the team, they all think they are the – and quarterbacks are all alpha dogs. They're all, you know, that A personality, and they're right. used to leading everybody. And, you know, nobody's saying, hey, I'm my goal is to be a third-string quarterback. You know, I don't think they think that way. Yeah, that was my reaction as well, Fred, that you don't expect this guy to basically say, gee, I hope I'm still holding the clipboard in five years, in three years, or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not too alarmed by it. I'm not alarmed that Watson is thinking that he's going to take off here in three, four years. Uh, I, I imagine Watson is thinking that he's won three Super Bowls by, the, by then. Um, Ian, Ian pulled the uh, the graphic, but I just wanted to comment on on the graphic that he was displaying. That comes from a guy by the name who calls himself Wreck This League, by the name of Seth. He is just amazing. The graphics that he does, and he did our our uh, 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 draft graphics for him. And I can't shout him out enough. He's just amazing. Um, next from Fumble Thirteen. 
I apologize. I don't know how to pronounce the name of the last name of this individual. I'll call him Diabate <laughs> at this point, uh, the linebacker. Uh, uh, Fumble said he watched some highlights. Man, can he run just like JOK? Um, from what I've read about him, uh, I think, you know, with our linebacking core, he might be something, somebody to watch, Fred. Um, he uh, was a high, pretty highly touted for a UDFA. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't wind up on the practice squad, might be somebody pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this or not. Well, you know, I'm, I understand um, the excitement, but why wasn't the guy drafted, you know? In the seventh round, you're trading away your pick because you don't even have anybody you want to draft, you know, so you can sign guys as undrafted free agents. I understand, you know, undrafted guys, if they're sought after, end up making – they can make as much or more money, you know, as an undrafted free agent, but – no, I mean, I don't know much about him, but that's a position that I think they need depth. But, again, a team that is planning to win or expecting to win now, you need some experience. You can't just throw – we all saw J.O.K. even as a rookie, he was lost, even though he's very talented, didn't know where he was supposed to be sometimes and had some blown coverages and blown things. And so, yeah, it'd be great. You can really make your roster by hitting on the undrafted guys because, you know, the obviously they're at the lowest end of the salary and it balances out your higher paid guys. But because you have all the guys coming back, you have five linebackers coming back that were on injury reserve, you know, and some on major injuries. So there could really be an opportunity here in the offseason for him to show what he can do. And that, you know, if if your guys up front, Ika and Tomlinson can eat up blocks, a guy with speed can go fill a hole and, you know, and make a lot of tackles and find himself a job. And again, special teams is where you can make or break when you're right on the bubble. That can put you over the top. So it's, it's obviously with the money it sounds like they're paying him to come in here that they like him. So I just want to temper expectations this isn't a first or second round pick. This is an undrafted mm -hmm. guy. So I, I, I just think we're so attuned after these expansion years to be looking at these UDFAs and saying, man, this guy's really going to make an impact on this team because, you know, in past years, you know, they had, they had a shot of doing that, you know, of, of making the team and playing significant roles, but it's, it's sort of well, a different world now. I mean, everybody says when they think undrafted free agent, they throw out Josh Cribs. But for every Josh Cribs, how many other guys can you name that have that have had the type of career like they've had? So yeah. you just got to temper it a little. I mean, a kicker, Phil Dawson, you know, but for the most part, the draft guys, for the most part, usually – there's a reason a guy's not drafted. Might be size, might be speed, could be all kinds of different things. Could be the scheme, but I know teams seem to be shying away from linebackers around the league as well as running backs, but and that could have led to it. But I just kind of like we talked about these different picks the Browns made when they were just taking value. You know, if they really thought the guy was going to be a starter or a key player, 
You could have took him in the fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, or even that seventh round pick that you traded away. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, next question I think is on everybody's mind. If you watch the uh, uh, live stream on Sunday, we had hundreds of people watching us as we waited interminably for picks to be made, <laughs> especially after the fifth round, getting into the sixth round. And uh, the biggest subject there was whether we we're going to eat hamburgers. And so uh, Eco OBR wants to know if Jake got his barbecue uh, bacon burger uh, or bourbon barbecue burger. Uh, what I can tell you, Eco, is that he had barbecue nachos and a burger. So both were ravenously consumed, and he seemed happy at the end of that. So uh, there were no threats left from Jake at the end of that. So all, all ended well. Uh, Keith Nash 85 wants to know, do you think the Browns would trade Dorian Thompson Robinson if he plays well in the preseason? Uh, if he really shows out, uh, you know, do you think he becomes trade bait, Fred? I would doubt it. This, this preseason, um, depends obviously what you're being offered. If somebody come along and said, Hey, we'll give you a first round pick for him, you know, which isn't going to happen. But, um, there's obviously something they like about him. They like to keep two quarterbacks on the team. I thought, I don't know the salary implications. You know, Kellen Mond, they, they were reluctant to cut him last year when Watson came back because they kept talking about his, he was under contract and it was such a great contract for the Browns. And so they let Dobbs go. Well, then they went out and got Dobbs to be the backup. And I thought that he was guaranteed like $2 million. So mm. if that's the case, I don't know if they moved on from him, if they're on the hook for 2 million, but Dorian Thompson Robinson, if they really think he's a can't miss guy, they're not going to keep him and try to put him on the practice squad. Cause somebody will take him. So that means you would have to keep three quarterbacks on the 53 man roster. And Andrew Barry has been reluctant to do that. He's mm -hmm. kept two and then puts one on the practice squad. But I don't know if you can do that with, you know, with, with DTR. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think you'd have a very difficult time sneaking him onto the practice squad and you got him cheap for four years, you know, somebody you probably want to hold on to. Uh, so. Uh, well, if know. he plays well, they might just say, well, we're going to eat the, Dobbs contract and going, to, but then you're going in the season with an inexperienced backup mm -hmm. and the, the rule of thumb is, well, if you lose your starter, you're probably done anyway. And I agree with that, but on a short-term basis, at least Dobbs now has played some games and started in the NFL, you know, that meant something. And you have a guy in him that has a little experience that could come in and, and take over if Watson were to go down for a game or two. Yeah. And DTR is, uh, you know, he's got quite a, quite a lot of potential, but uh, he is a guy who tends to try to make plays, whether the play is there or not. Uh, he is mistake prone, uh, as they say, at least at this point in his career. And uh, probably not a guy you want to put under center at this point in his career in the NFL, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, speaking of which, uh, again, Kevo obviously watched our uh, uh, live stream on Sunday, uh, or Saturday, I'm sorry. 
uh, and asked if anyone did a wellness check on Brad after the DTR pick. Brad was not Brad Ward was not a fan of the DTR pick. Uh, he really wanted a safety at that spot, and for understandable reasons, there were some good safeties left on the board. The Browns need a safety. Uh, he felt that that pick was a little bit forced, and I can tell you that I spoke with Brad yesterday. Spoke with him again today. He's doing fine. He, he's adjusted to this reality, uh, and uh, he's handled it. But uh, Fred, I don't, I don't know how you felt after the DTR pick. Were, were, were you? Uh, uh, Pleased with that, or would you have rather have seen the Browns go after one of those safeties who were on the board? Well, for the reasons I mentioned, I was a little surprised about quarterback. Um, but they obviously like the guy. I don't know how this will all shake out, but I also feel like they need safeties. But I keep going back to that. If they thought there was a safety they could take, regardless of who we think was a good safety, they mm-hmm. obviously didn't think they were as good as Ronnie Hickman or Tanner McAllister or somebody they got in free agency after right. the draft, or they would have taken them. Because if you take a safety, whoever was available, if it was Jamie Robinson or whoever we thought might be good, um, they didn't think it was worth it because if they would have taken them, they had the guy under contract, you know, for four years. So they chose to take a quarterback instead of what I would say is a position of need. And they told you took a center, you know, when they could have taken somebody that I thought was a position of need. So, you know, only time will tell if they were right on there, but they obviously didn't think, the guys that were available were better than taking a quarterback there. Mm -hmm. And so that's all you can go with. I mean, I'm not privy to any more inside information, you know, why they, what they didn't like about some of the guys that maybe on my list, I put down, take this guy if he's available in the fourth round or the fifth round. And I'm sure that's kind of what Brad, you know, was alluding to because you spend six months studying these guys and you think, you know, them, but maybe mm-hmm. they don't. The Browns don't look at him the way we do. And it may not Ford. be. Yeah, it may not be a shot at the safeties either. I mean, they really like DTR. I mean, they interviewed him. They brought him to Berea. You know, they made no secret of the fact that they were very interested in him. You know, throughout the process. Uh, next question from Rocky in YouTube. He says, "Do you think Kevin Stefanski's more relaxed demeanor with the media this weekend?" is a sign that he's taking more of the reins as a leader of this organization. Um, You, uh, Fred, during our our live stream over the weekend, talked about how Stefanski came down and hung out with the media for a little while this weekend. Um, Does that indicate to you that he's feeling more comfortable uh, now as being a leader? Well, I think anything after you've been here, but you have more comfort. But I think the reality is he's, you know, they asked for our feedback anonymously. And I think a lot of the feedback was, you know, Hey, we're one of the tamest groups of media in the country. You know, this isn't like a, a Philadelphia or New York or wherever where it's vicious, you know, and they run everybody out of town. I mean, most of the media, you know, wants the Browns to do well, doesn't mean we're fans, but you want them to do well because if they're doing well, you know, everybody, wins you know the fans win the 
you know, your outlets get more attention. People are interested in the Browns when they're three and 14. Nobody's interested. Nobody wants to read what you're writing or talking about like here. Mm -hmm. So I think he's, he's been told these guys are not your enemy. You don't have to treat everybody like they're your enemy, you know, and show them, you know, the human side of things. And so it was a step. And uh, it doesn't mean he's going to give us any more information than he ever has, right. which is not much. But I think that would go a long way. You get a little goodwill, you know, when, you know, you reach out a little bit and say, hey, you know, not that he wants to be our friends, but treat us, treat the media a little more like, you know, we're just doing our job and, and we want to do the job the best we can. Give us a little more to go on. Well, is, is he any more alert to your presence after he saw the outcome of your altercation with that turkey, Brett? Yeah, he said that uh, I got the better end of it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was just good, you know. We were walking out and he had some little little tidbits and stuff and called me by name. And that's always good, you know, even though I would assume he would by now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I should note that uh, only one of you had a shotgun, right, during that altercation. But uh, uh, very nicely done on the wild turkey. Um, Manimal1955 says, do these players hear criticism of them? Boy, I know some of them certainly do. Uh, some of them are very active on social media and uh, have very active rabbit ears. But uh, really depends on the players, right, Fred? Yeah, I mean, I think... More so the young guys. The young guys, they're on their phones right after a game. Probably the worst thing they can do. And you saw it led to, I think his name was Whitehead, kind of getting dismissed from the team because right after a game, before he even cooled down, he's he's going after fans and stuff. Right. Um, they, they say they don't read. It used to be before social media – just the papers and stuff like that. Oh, I don't read what you guys write, but they all knew what you wrote, you know? <laughs> and uh, I think it's the same thing with the comments, you know, they look on Twitter and especially the young guys, they look to see what's being said about them. And it's probably the worst thing they can do because I'd say it's much worse on Twitter because people that don't even know what they're talking about make comments and, mm. and, uh, and it sounds all the worse. And right. then the player in the heat of the moment says something that he regrets. And so as they get a little older and wiser, then they'll say, I don't, I'm not even on, I don't read, I don't. And they may not, but they have somebody that keeps them abreast of everything going right. on. And, right. uh, you know, and so they are human. But I think it'd be better for a lot of them to just stay off it because you're going to get criticized way more than you're going to get praised. Right. You know, all of us are that way. I mean, I don't like on Twitter, somebody rips me. I just, I put mute on it. So I, I never hear a negative comment more than once. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't need that, you know, and I'm sure these right. players are playing much higher stake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much negativity on Twitter, so many anonymous trolls lobbing bombs. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. It's one of the reasons I honestly don't spend a lot of time 
uh, on Twitter anymore. I spend a lot of time on our forums, and on our forums, people are pretty much held accountable, you know, for what they say, and they're there for a long time, and, you know, they don't just pop up out of nowhere, throw a bomb, and then disappear again. Uh, it's a different type of environment. And if you're not big on Twitter, the forums are an alternative. If you love Twitter, you love Twitter. I mean, that's up to you. Um, Fumble13 asks, uh, Andrew Berry referred to the fact that he was close on a few other trades. Fred, did you ever find out what those trades may have been after the draft? Um, I don't think Barry gave any details, did he? No. You know, and it, it doesn't do him any good because if it's a player that went to another team, they don't really need to give any ammo out or, or you're letting the world know what you were interested in doing. And let's say you draft, you know, a, a wide receiver, but you tried to get another wide receiver. What good does it do to say, well, we wanted to get this guy, Jalen Hyatt, but we ended up with this guy, Cedric Tillman. I mean, all right, we'll go with him. You know, how does that help you out? You know, if that yeah, was exactly. true, you know, so, um, no, you, you know, and very rarely does that stuff come out all the right. years I've been doing it. Right. Absolutely. Um, Unfortunately, it's now eight o'clock. I've still got a couple of questions left. Um, uh, if any of you are OBR subscribers, uh, please feel free to go to Ask the Insiders uh, and ask your questions. We handle all of them, and you get generally responses from more than one of our staff. Uh, Fred is on there. Unfortunately, I'm on there. Uh, we've got our entire staff on Ask the Insiders, and we are there uh, around the clock, you know, seven days a week. Some of our staff, I don't think, sleep very much. Uh, they may have sleep issues. I don't know what it is, but they're they're constantly on there. Um, so we're available around the clock pretty much uh, if you want to talk Browns football. Um, I'm sorry that we couldn't get to all the questions within the hour that we had here, but you guys were great. You guys were absolutely awesome tonight with all the questions. We barely had to deal with my stupid stuff, uh, and uh, uh, we could ask answer your questions instead. So... Um, we will not be here next week. Uh, next week, uh, we will, however, assuming that the schedule comes out on May 11th, have a special show, uh, a schedule show on that Thursday that the schedule comes out, assuming it does come out on May 11th. I haven't heard com complete confirmation yet that it comes out on May 11th, but uh, should it come out on May 11th, uh, we're going to do a special show on that night talking about the schedule and how we expect the Browns to do. Uh, and that'll be on in lieu of OBR Weekly next week. And then we will be on uh, the week after. And uh, once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us uh, this week. Thank you so much for your questions and comments. It was awesome. We could just stick to those this week. Fantastic. And uh, we'll be back here uh, in a couple of weeks with yet another edition of OBR Weekly. For Fred Greetham, I'm Barry McBride. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We'll see you soon. Thank you. See you. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to The Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.